truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the Blaze Radio and TV. I am Steve Dace. Todd is with me, as is Aaron. Welcome to all of you, no matter when or where, if you're listening to us on demand via the podcast later on today or tomorrow or another day, no matter when or where you're choosing to tune in, we greatly appreciate you giving us uh, a couple of hours of your time. 888-900-3393 is the number, 888-900-3393. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at Steve Dace Show. Email the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A. CE coming up a little bit later on. It's a buy, seller, hold Wednesday. Today's truth bomb. If you think we've never gone to the depths of cynicism before, a user achievement, master cynic is about to be unlocked. All right, that's coming up. Uh, a little bit later on in the program. And it is for the first time in 2019, the return of our prophet of a low of woe and lamentation. Daniel Horowitz will take us inside politics here at the bottom of the hour, but we begin as we always do with an update on what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the oval office, which is where Donald Trump was last night when he gave his speech regarding the wall and the ongoing government shutdown. America proudly welcomes millions of lawful immigrants who enrich our society and contribute to our nation. But all Americans are hurt by uncontrolled illegal migration. Every week, 300 of our citizens are killed by heroin alone, 90% of which floods across from our southern border. Finally, as part of an overall approach to border security, Law enforcement professionals have requested $5.7 billion for a physical barrier. At the request of Democrats, it will be a steel barrier rather than a concrete wall. This barrier is absolutely critical to border security. Some have suggested a barrier is immoral. Then why do wealthy politicians build walls, fences and gates around their homes? They don't build walls because they hate the people on the outside, but because they love the people on the inside. The only thing that is immoral is the politicians to do nothing and continue to allow more innocent people to be so horribly victimized. That was probably the best part of his speech last night. Afterwards, though, holy mother of optics, Chuck and Nancy. Appreciate the opportunity to speak directly to the American people tonight about how we can end this shutdown and meet the needs of the American people. Sadly, much of what we heard from President Trump throughout this senseless shutdown has been full of misinformation and even malice. The president has chosen fear. We won't start with the facts. Thank you. Leader Schumer. Thank you, Speaker Pelosi. As bad as the optics were for that, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, well, Aside from the fact that we can't go a day without talking about her, she went all on MSNBC in the aftermath. The president should be really defending why we are funding such an agency at all. Because right now, what we are seeing is death. Right now, what we are seeing is the violation of human rights. 
These children and these families are being held in what are, what are called yeleras, which are basically freezing boxes that no person should be maintained in for any amount of time, let alone the amount of time that they are being kept on. And one of the late night hosts, Seth Meyers, mocked victims of illegal immigration. Is this Oval Office Special Victims Unit? In other news, Broward County Sheriff Scott Israel has been suspended by newly sworn-in Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. He was sworn in just yesterday morning, so this was one of his first acts as governor. On the topic of not good news, former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort has been accused by special counsel Robert Mueller of sharing polling data of the 2016 presidential race with a business associate of his with ties to Russian intelligence agencies. Manafort's lawyers say the disclosure was made by accident. Okay. And finally, read a few quotes here from President Trump talking about the need for the southern border wall. First quote, we should spend money to build a barrier to prevent illegal immigrants from coming in. Another quote, we simply cannot allow people to pour into the U.S. undetected, undocumented, and unchecked. Quote, illegal immigration is wrong, plain and simple. Until the American people are convinced we will stop future flows of illegal immigration, we'll make no progress. When you hear quotes like that, what's your reaction to them? It's divisive. Um, I think America is a land of opportunity, a place for inclusion. I just really think it's a kind of hateful speech in general it's just a negative message like all he when he talks about like illegal immigrants it's just one rude like to talk about people like that kind of underlies a lot of things about like discrimination and people and their prejudice prejudices and things like that so i feel like that stuff is touchy to talk about what if i told you these were from chuck schumer barack obama and hillary clinton how about that and that's what happened while we were away in two minutes or less that was a little old school Mel Allen this week in baseball. How about that? I had the same thing in my Did head. You? Yes. Yeah, nice. I, we, you know what? I would be fine on days when we're gone or sick or something if we just ran montages of campus reform doing that to uh, Aaron's generation all over the country. I just run those on loop. I, I, every time I see one, I send it to Aaron, put it in the montage. I just, I can't get enough of them. I just, they are, as our friend Daniel Horowitz likes to describe, they are for me, my political morphine. I, I just, I get a kick out of it. I get the jolly. I get my jollies uh, jollied every single time. They never fail to disappoint. Um, we're going to talk more about Ron DeSantis and the suspension, the new governor of Florida, and the suspension of Sheriff Israel on our roundtable here on Blaze TV coming up uh, a little bit later on today. And I still maintain that the generations of this that, that founded this country, forged it, maintained it, they would have tarred and feathered him long before uh, what what happened yesterday. The fact that he has been kept on that job all this time, the fact there was no public uprising against him whatsoever, uh, that is, that's death of the West stuff. That's, you know, no one resigns to the, while killing Alfie Evans, kind of. Those are the signs of the death of the West. That's when you just, all conviction nerve is gone. The most, the most basic instincts that, um, the, the most basic instincts that preserve a people are replaced by complacency slash satiating of our primal urges. Uh, so we're going to talk more though about what this may mean. If the fact that this is one of Ron DeSantis's first official acts as governor, what was Rick Scott doing? No doubt about that. No doubt about that. We're going to talk about that coming up uh, in, in the Blaze Roundtable today. But I want to spend our, our good portion of this uh, 
first hour. We'll do it with Daniel later on and get his take, but uh, lay out what transpired last night. And uh, 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 let me just talk about Trump's speech unto itself. Um, I thought the the opening of the speech, I found it to be, I was, I was like, uh-oh. And, you know, I watched it on Fox and it looked like their camera feed. I know they all use a, the same camera feed, you know, so I don't know, it looked like he was talking over my shoulder. At the beginning, um, he was clearly reading it and rushing through it. Uh, and in, uh, the opening third of it, I'm like, and then we got to the point where he began to use testimonies of those whose lives have been tragically altered by illegal. And then he, then he went to the drop the illegal alien card. And then I was all like that gif of Jack Nicholson, you know, uh, because even though that's still the legal term, according to U.S. code, what is the U.S. code, Steve? It's the law of the United States of America. That, that's it's our, it's what our law book is called, the U.S. code. So even though the, the term illegal alien is still the one we use, you get shadow banned, if not outright banned nowadays on social media for using it. Now, I don't I don't claim, you know, I, I did sp- spend a, a, a decent amount of time around Donald Trump for a few months when he first started ramping up his presidential election. I don't that was four years ago now, almost three and a half years ago. So I don't make the claim that, you know, I'm an expert or a buddy, but I do think I was around him enough that I would be willing to wager. I would, I want to see the text of the speech because I would be willing to wager the Trump. I was around for that limited window of time. I could see him reading. And at first he called illegal migration and immigrant. I could see at one point, he's like, you know what, man, screw this noise. These illegal aliens. And did you notice how like the, 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 the pronounced enunciation? These illegal aliens. I, I, the Trump I used to hang around, I, I could see him at one, just in his mind saying, screw this, man. I'm dropping it right here from the Oval Office. How you like them apples? And I thought that start, the worm began to turn in the speech. And when he, when he went, when he, because why? Because it became, it got off of steel and statistics. We got to the moral certainty of the argument and using, you, you see, we live in a day and age where, where we need, we on the right have got to make emotional arguments too. Yeah, I said it. We need to. The difference is the left makes emotional arguments either as standalone properties and or to convince people to move away from moral certainty. We need to make emotional arguments, using with, including testimonies, to move people to truth and moral certainty. And I thought when he began to use those testimonies, when he just started dropping illegal alien as, uh, without any, and notice there's no focus. There's there, today none of the coverage is breathlessly. How could the president say that? Um. And, and then reached its crescendo with the line that Aaron put uh, in, in his montage. When he said, rich politicians put up walls and barriers, not because they hate the people on the outside, but because they love the people on the inside. That's when I went from, oh crap, another reminder, that dude from The Apprentice got elected, to, that's my president. That... That's the moral certainty argument they don't want to have to confront. It just took them a while to get there. 
They have nowhere to go because if they say anything contradicting that, it makes them look like they don't love the people on right. the inside. That's one of why that's why one of my Ten Commandments of Political Warfare there on the book over my shoulder is what? Never surrender the moral high ground. What what Sarah Sanders and what Mick Mulvaney did on Sunday on national television twice was what? They surrendered the moral high ground. Nehemiah came down from the wall to contest with Sanballat and Tobiah. Don't. It doesn't even matter if you win the argument, you lost by showing up. It's the losing argument. There are no winners. It's a, it's a zero-sum proposition. It's a loss leader from the time you, the clock starts ticking. This is the argument you want to have, and you don't want to move off of the wall. Now I'm speaking metaphorically. You don't want to move. Off, Nehemiah should not come down from the wall. He is doing a great work. He will not come down. You have the moral high ground. Do not really surrender it. Do not. And then Chuck and Nancy showed up. What you saw play out last night was, in a nutshell, the entire 2016 election played out last night, including Ocasio-Cortez's subplot on MSNBC. Here's what I mean by that. What, what, what happened is, at the opening of the speech, you watched Trump look a little hurried, um, uncomfortable, and you're like, how'd this guy get elected? Then by the end of it, you're like, yeah, you know what? When I remove my thoughts about him, I actually kind of agree with a lot of what he said. But I'm just, something about him, I don't know. And then Hillary Clinton, I'm sorry, uh, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi showed up on screen. And you were like, suddenly the things about him I don't like, I'm, you know, just, they don't seem nearly as threatening as that image does, okay? As that does as their message does. And what played out last night, and then you had Ocasio-Cortez. Someone asked me today, after I talked about this on Glenn Beck's show this morning, do I think she would have been a better messenger last night? That was a follow-up email that I I got from uh, one of Glenn's listeners. And I said, absolutely. It just would have been a worse message. Absolutely a better messenger, but a worse, even a worse message. Here's why. In a nutshell, everything I've said to you guys about what's going on right now the last few years was verified as true last night. And it's not because I have a higher IQ or I'm smarter than other people or I have a sixth sense or I have some prophetic uh, calling. It's not, no, that's not, no. It's because I'm, I'm actually willing to remove emotion as much as possible, pay attention to what is actually occurring rather than believing I can change outcomes or, or, or convincing myself that what is occurring is what I want to. And you've been around me for a long time. You've seen me alter my approach to doing this show, the tactics I've used in, in my activism. Why? Because, you know, wisdom is not found in believing you know everything, but in, rec- in, in recognition of the fact you do not. And I have to, I, 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 I could continue to do arrogantly what I think is right, but, the rea- but then I'll keep being wrong. The reality is a lot of people that do political analysis are like that guy in your fan and, and on the right and left. They're like that guy in your fantasy league that you know he's always drafting the players off his favorite team. You mean like most of the guys on your fantasy team or on your fantasy league? Because that's how most people are emotional, uh, driven by desire and preference. Rather than most people aren't capable or equipped of. 
can I accept the truth even if it's not what I want to be true? I am. And you know why? Because I grew up in a house where I had to live that way. I, there was no alternative. I, I couldn't live out my own truth. I lived with a bully. I was constantly reminded there were circumstances I could not change or control. And it was up to me to figure out the best way to survive within them and thrive or fetal position. One of my kids said to me this morning when we were at the gym, or as I like to call it, homeschool PE. Uh, when we were at the gym, one of my, uh, Zoe, our youngest daughter said, you always talk as if it's not an option for us to fail. And I'm like, because it's not. And she said, well, we're not going to, we're going to fail at some things. I said, yes, you will. I can promise you, you will fail 100% at, you will not succeed 100% of the time. I do promise you, young lady, though, that you will fail 100% of the time that you don't believe you have any chance of succeeding. I can promise you that. So, um, that's the world I had to live in. And that's, that's, you know, it's what Joseph said to his brothers. Well, you meant for evil, God used for good. I mean, you know, God knew plan he had for my life, what I was going to end up doing later in life and living in a home where I had to put my headphones on because I couldn't listen to the screams and cries of the truth of what was happening upstairs in my own house prepared me for what I was going to be called to do now as an adult. Most people cannot, cannot remove their preferences. It's why most, it's why, it's why, it's why almost none of you, when I mocked and parodied Barack Obama, none of you would email me quotes from Romans 13 out of context to say, respect the president. But when I, when I called Bush the shrub or referenced the Cheeto Jesus phenomenon, you do because you're the same way. I, I have to have the emotional desired tribalistic outcome I need. You know, we moved around a lot when I was a kid. I wasn't, I've just never been a joiner. And so the way I grew up equipped me to remove as much of my desired outcome from processes as possible because I didn't grow up in a good home. It's not because I'm smarter than other people or anything of that nature. And what you saw play out last night now is everything I've been telling you for the last few years is confirmed. A, Trump did not win because of his over his because of his personality or celebrity or because uh, of his uh, tweets uh, because he successfully trolled the Democrats that's all click conservative crap none of that's true uh, Trump wouldn't have survived he would have been out months before we voted in Iowa if not for getting onto the illegal immigration issue it's what turned him from a novelty candidate into a force of nature and you saw that return last night and now after what's been a disastrous last few months for his presidency with Michael Cohen and everything else, now he's freaking King Kong right now because he's back on point. Why is he back on? Why? Because he's on your point. He's on what you care about, not what he cares about. Also, the reality is that there is nothing, there is nothing that you could offer Democrats because they want open borders. And the more you stay on the moral high ground, the more that will be exposed. You also heard me tell you for the last few years that the reason that the media put so much attention on Trump in the last election, including in the general. Remember, we would sit here and do shows, Todd. And Aaron, you were here then. That was when you first started. We would sit here and do shows during the general election and ask ourselves, is Hillary even, did the Democrats have a nominee? She'd be like, no, she would be out of the news for like weeks. 
Why? Because they know on his own, Trump can't control himself. He can't contain himself and it grates on people. But they also know, put an unlikable foil up against him. And he suddenly morphs from, uh, what is that to Yoda? Unstoppable. You saw that play itself out last night. They put a face to the opposition. And now even MSNBC and the Huffington Post is like, what was that last night, Chuck and Nancy? That w- They're being mercilessly mocked, pilloried. No one is defending that, not even in their own media. They're getting crushed today. They're the, they're the Democrats' Steve Bartman. Elizabeth Warren called and said, that was awkward. Yes, the Elizabeth Warren presidential campaign thinks we might be able to reboot this thing right now. Yeah. They're, they're drinking beers for a totally different reason at the Elizabeth Warren campaign. It's called celebration. We're off the schneid. Okay? Thanks, Chuck. Hosanna's. Um, op- when, they, when they put a face to the opposition... Suddenly you start comparing. We're human nature. We can't avoid comparing. It's, it's in our DNA. Suddenly you start looking at Trump and you're like, well, I don't know. Maybe I can put up with a lot. <laughs> if you're telling me that that's, that's the alternative. All right. Then we've told you that there is a civil war happening in the Democratic Party. But it's a, it, it's a different civil war than the one that in the Republican Party. The civil war in the Republican Party is about ideology. We, if you're a, if you're a, if you're really a conservative or a libertarian um, in the Republican Party, you are you are you in a party led by people who don't agree with you. It's not that they're dumb. It's not that they're gutless. Get rid of the evil party versus stupid party thing. We've been telling you that for years too. They just just don't agree with you. In the Democratic Party, the Civil War is about what we discussed yesterday with the Whoopi Goldberg clip where she was scolding Ocasio-Cortez. It was about the speed and haste and 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 power. And coercion by which to get to where they all want to go. So Ocasio, as a Cortez is a messenger, she's very pretty, she's very articulate. Um, she she'd be a much superior messenger than Chuck and Nancy. The problem is her message. What was her message in that clip? Border security is immoral. We should have open borders. That the that the American people by defending their border are immoral, not the mothers and fathers who sent their children to the American border uh, and essentially sent them out as sheep among wolves. They're, they're terrible parents. They're terrible parents. They're, they're the culprit. They're the reason that their children are in this mess. They did this. But they're not, but, but they're victims in her viewpoint, in her worldview. That ain't going to sell. That dog ain't going to hunt, guys. Because again, another thing we've told you the last few years is America is no longer is not a conservative country, but it ain't communist either. That's what she's selling openly and honestly. Now we are getting, you know, and as I said to Glenn this morning, we're not going to have the twenty twenty eight or twenty thirty two election. We're going to have the twenty twenty election. And by the time we get to twenty twenty eight and twenty 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 thirty two, unless we see moral and spiritual revival in the country, Ocasio Cortez's merit message will sell nationwide. She is, she is just, she's just further down a path that most of America is not comfortable going down yet, but they soon will be, they will be because that's the arc of history. Whenever a country nation loses its moorings, it falls for the next big lie and she represents it, but we're not there yet. We're kind of looking at the path and then we're like, well, maybe not yet.
So that's why her message would be worse. Because it would out all of them. That, it forces Kamala Harris to go on The View the next day and say, yeah, I think a 70% tax increase would be great. Because they can't refute her ideologically. If they refute her ideologically, their base will turn on them. So they're stuck. The Democratic Party is stuck in a generational vortex right now. They want, they, 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 their, their core message, they can't advance. So they have to, they have to, they have to cover it, hide it with race baiting language. And, and we're for women and sexual liberation, unless that woman who was sexually liberated is former porn star extraordinaire, Jenna Jameson. And then when she uh, uh, discovers her Jewish faith and changes and wants to change her life around, suddenly we aren't in favor of women and sexual liberation speaking, but we will bombard her on Twitter with the most vile and disgusting rhetoric you've ever seen and witnessed in your life. There's not enough life boy soap on planet earth to wash Ralphie's mouth out with it. See, that's the tactics they have to use because they can't, they have to keep selling us the undercoating. We're not buying the jalopy yet. Yet. We're driving around the lot. We just haven't pulled in yet. So they're stuck. And that's why I've been telling you, if they nominate somebody likable who comes still from an America where they have to talk to people like us, Beto O'Rourke comes from Texas. There's plenty of people still like us in Texas, obviously. Joe Biden is 70, is, is Trump's age. He lived in an America where he still went to, you know, uh, to ball games and Little League and the grocery store with people like us. If they nominate somebody likable who has come from, comes from a part of the country or from an era where we still had to all share America together, then the 2020 election is going to look like the 2018 House election. They're going to win everywhere that they possibly could. But if they don't, they're going to lose unless there's some Mueller bombshell yet to be dropped. They're going to lose to him. Why? Because the, the message doesn't sell. America's, Americans don't want open borders yet. They don't want of overt socialism yet. They soon will. The generational demographic winter is coming, but it isn't here yet. And so everything we have talked about for the last few years on this show all played out last night Todd and Aaron your thoughts well the fact that uh, democratic uh, and slash journalistic but I repeat myself uh, criticism of Trump is all over the map uh, shows that Donald Trump uh, was a grown-up last night Uh, it was an utterly reasonable speech from an often utterly unreasonable man. So that, of course, begs the question, and we brought it up yesterday, and there's there's uh, inside baseball talk that the, you know Trump really wasn't that into the speech uh, at the beginning. He didn't really think it was necessary and want to give it, and he was coached into uh, doing it. You know, that may be true, um, and that, that would have been uh, a good coaching. Now it's, uh, it is, does, does he have based on what he's seen does he have a fire in the belly is he will he be resolute for all the reasons steve says it's important to be resolute both from a policy perspective uh and from a uh optics competitive perspective uh it, it should it should be a no-brainer uh the, the 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 press and the democrats are are showing uh that donald trump was not a caricature uh last night 
Uh, he spoke in a way, and that was one of my big concerns, that would, would just regular people who are just sick of the things that Steve has diagnosed in the last couple of weeks they're sick of, would they see that and instantly go, oh, dear God, no. Uh, they didn't. And then comes uh, Morticia and Lurch uh, on screen uh, in a way that, again, makes uh, Elizabeth Warren feel uncomfortable. Uh, and they do that. That's a sign that their self-righteousness is so far beyond the pale that they aren't even worried about optics anymore. I mean, they're, they're just ready to march and stuff things down your throat. Um, that, uh, as close to a best-case scenario happened last night. Now it begs the question, Sean Connery, what are you prepared to do? Uh, yeah, and that, that, that line about you know, calling out the hypocrisy of rich politicians who have walls around their house saying um, you know, it's not that they hate the people on the outside of the wall, it's that they love the people on the inside of the wall. What have we been saying over and over again um, about how to communicate with this culture? You have to lead with emotion. My only quibble with the speech is that he should have led with that part. And imagine, imagine... If we had a president someday sitting in that office who was willing and able and delivered something like that on the issue of abortion and or defunding Planned Parenthood. Preach. That's what we need, and that's why you never abandon the moral high ground. Preach. Back in a moment. We've got a new partner cause we're supporting here on the show for 2019. It's called Back to Jerusalem. It's an organization that works with the persecuted Christians living in what are called closed countries. Uh, They're based in communist China. Uh, They believe that uh, the one thing that we know for sure changes a nation for the better, even more than an economy uh, or an education or even more than government, is hope. The hope that we find in the Bible. That is what has proven to change nations. Uh, And we believe here uh, at Back to Jerusalem that uh, free nations are built on God-given rights. And that's what gives man hope and that those are the rights God articulates and lays out in the scriptures. That transforms a nation faster than anything else. However, closed nations that want to hold on to power and tyranny don't allow uh, believers to have Bibles in their countries. Uh, and so that's why Back to Jerusalem has tried to find a way to basically get around it, for lack of a better term, smuggle the word of God into these closed countries. They've created this very first, I guess we would say it's like pill-sized electronic Bible. I mean, you could even, it's so small you could swallow it, yet it contains the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And for just the price of a couple of fast food meals, you can help give hope to persecuted Christians and lift up nations as a whole by giving them access to the word of God. Cost just about $15 to deliver this pill-sized electronic Bible to places like China, North Korea, Iran, and Somalia. Back to Jerusalem is the vision of reaching all of the nations that border between China and Jerusalem. These are the nations that are the most aggressive against the message of the gospel. So join with us together today to provide, we'd like to anyway, 10,000 of these pill-sized electronic Bibles and send them to some of the darkest parts of the world like North Korea, China, and Iran. You can support Back to to Jerusalem's Pill Bible Project by visiting blazehelp.com. 
I'm sorry, blazehelp.org, my bad. Blazehelp.org. Let me give that one more time to make up for my faux pas. Blazehelp.org or by calling 844-305-0566. Back here with us on the Steve Day Show on the Blaze for the first time in 2019. It's a return to inside politics with our prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz. Good to see you, my friend. How are you? Great to be with you, and and I'm glad to know that there's now something good that could come out of smuggling. I never heard of that before, you know. <laughs> yes, yeah, we don't don't always have to smuggle the bad stuff, although that that's that's typically what we do. So we laid out our thoughts on the president's speech last night, the Democratic response, uh, what that moment meant uh, last evening politically. We want to turn it over to you now. Your analysis, Daniel. You know, I felt it was good. He did what he needed to do. There were shortcomings, but the only shortcomings were rooted in the fact that it was a day late, a dollar short. I mean, this was or not a day late, two years late. Um, we had two years when Republicans controlled the House, and it was just a matter of for harnessing the leverage of a shutdown and the pressure just against McConnell modifying or really enforcing Senate rules rather than fighting through the impervious wall of, of Nancy Pelosi. Um, you know, we are 15 years late in educating the American people that we have the equivalent in danger in national security and evilness of ISIS and Hezbollah at our border in the form of Sinaloa, Jalisco, Zetas, um, Golfo, and all these cartels. He touched on it a little bit, but when you look at the evil that is perpetrated because of these magnets, there's a limit to what you could put out in eight minutes. But I think at least he started it. What I'm happy about is that he didn't make it about the wall because it's not about the wall. That's one facet of this. It's about the fact that the worst evil on our country, which is the most redressable evil because it's foreign nationals, it's Legally, we could do anything we want at our border. That has not been given over. Our colleagues have not been doing a, jo- a good enough job on raising awareness. And I think if nothing else, a sober presidential style raising awareness was what he needed to do. But now he needs to follow up. I would argue he should go around the networks, do Facebook Lives every Thursday from the Oval Office, give a series of sp- stump speeches at the border and in the, the interior where – um, we're having a lot of problems from illegal immigration and just this is his time to shine. So then tell me why the first news I woke up to this morning is the White House rolling out a plan to expand the president's tariffs powers. Because I think the president, when you could get an issue in front of him that he agrees with you on, I think he has very good intuition. But his other flaws and the flaws of those around him make themselves incapable of sustaining a narrative, of not stepping on themselves. I mean, this has been a plague from day one of this administration. And and part of the problem is, you know, I, I was thinking when you had the whole controversy with Parkey missing the field goal in the Chicago Bears playoff game, that everyone always blames victory and success all in one play and one person. You always want to look at one person, but really you need the amalgamation of talents and plays of everyone on the offense and defense to get you to certain positions, to get better field 
position to score field goals, to score touchdowns. I'll never forget, don't mean to deviate here, but I was a big Buffalo Bills fan. And the heartbreak, this reminded me of the heartbreak of Scott Norwood missing yeah. the um, field goal, what was it, 91 yeah. in the in the Super Bowl. Literally the game-winning field goal of the Super Bowl. And uh, there, there was a documentary put together. They did an interview with Bruce Smith and Thurman Thomas, two Hall of Famers running back, um, defensive linemen. And they were very gracious. And they said, look, you know, he hit most of the, the field goals in his career. It just takes one to miss. But how many times did we miss a running play, miss a tackle in that game that could have no one would know, but that mm -hmm. all created a formula that enabled us to lose the game. And what I mean, why am I saying all this? We're putting everything into Trump, good or bad. I have a lot to criticize him with. I have a lot. I think he's doing right. Where the hell is everyone else? Every other Republican in Congress. And, that, that, and that's what you what you said right there. There's two reasons we're doing this. One one is certain folks, the gateway pundits of the world, were not really relevant and became relevant by attaching themselves to him and have made a, a financial decision. But there's, a, but there's another reason why. Because of what you just articulated. For all of his flaws and for all of his faults, he is the only Republican in any leadership position in Washington, D.C. Pre since pretty much Reagan left office, to be brutally honest, who is sensitive and sympathetic to the concerns and criticisms of, of, the, of, our, of, of, of his base. And that's why we know there's we know there's no shot of this happening relying on the Mitch McConnell's or before him, the Bob Michaels and Bob Doles and Trent Lotts. We know this. History has played itself out repeatedly. We know how that story ends, Daniel. He is the he's the new variable. He's the great unknown. We 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 and that's why we cast our hopes upon him because he hasn't been tried yet fully to see if maybe if we put somebody in the presidency, who cares what we think, we can get stuff done. We just could never get addressed before. That's why. You know, Steve, I was just thinking this week, you look at the landscape in the Senate. And, you know, a lot of us are prone to criticize Trump and say, hold on, can I clarify you know, one thing I just said? Because I could hear I can hear a voice of so many in my audience, maybe several of them saying, well, what about Ted Cruz and Rand Paul? Mike, none of those guys are in any leadership positions. They can't move anything. None of them are. None of well, them, none of them, none of them, none of them can do anything outside the will of the Kevin McCarthy, Steve Scalise's uh, and Mitch McConnell's and John Cornyn's of the world. That's just a rea the reality of it. Well, I do think at least on the immigration issue, if Jeff Sessions would be in the Senate, you would hear a robust voice. He would be forcing cloture votes because you could always force a vote. Can't force an outcome. You could always force a vote on 50 million things we should be doing with sanctuaries and illegals. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get, I'll tell your audience, I'm trying to get the few conservatives in, in the Senate to force a vote on what I call the officer singe bill. This was the officer killed by an illegal in California because he should have been apprehended for two DUIs. This is a problem across the country. The DUIs, the aggravated assaults, the drug trafficking, every American you catch them, they don't even serve jail time for that stuff. But in the alien, they should be out of the country. It's all avoidable. Um, legislating legislation mandating ICE detentions for those people. Um, I, I can't. There's no leadership. There's nothing. And you know, some people think maybe I've squished out on criticizing Trump when I feel he's wrong. I haven't. But what I have realized is that 
you come to a point where what am I supposed to say? I say, Trump, you need to do this. And he eventually kind of does it. Use the veto pen. He used it. Now use the bully pulpit. Well, he did it last night. Well, don't say it exactly like this. You need to don't get distracted. It's not that it's not valid criticism. It's that where the hell is the other guy that's doing it the right way mm -hmm. in any way? They're not. In other I mean, words, why why I, why are you are why are we being asked to criticize the guy who's doing at least some of what it is we're asking uh, our no. politicians to do when there is literally no one else doing any uh, in a position of leadership doing any of what we're asking them to do? Is that what I hear you saying? No, that that's exactly the point. And then you have a whole bunch of people that have made, the same way people made their living off of Trump, they make their living off of being obsessively anti-Trump because yep. they don't affirmative, affirmatively believe in anything. So now, because Trump takes a position on something, these people don't give it. The cartels are not a problem. The national security is not a problem. Illegal immigration, see no evil, hear no evil, is now the strategy of the media and a lot of the phony conservative media. The drug um, cartels could take women across the Rio Grande, rape them on Facebook Live, on El pa uh, live from El Paso, and Anna Navarro will be on CNN tonight saying this is because Trump's a racist. I, that's exactly yeah. what you're talking about. I, yeah. I have spent countless hours not, you know, uh, spending time with my family at night, which I should have been doing, speaking to retired and active duty DA, ICE, Border Patrol, U.S. Attorneys, and Texas Department of Public Safety because they have really good counterterrorism intel division on the cartels. And what they were telling me is that 10 years ago, you never heard of the word human trafficking. That was something in third world countries. Now it is in every state. It's not a border issue anymore. Mm -hmm. The cartels are in every community. Um, they are every bit as evil. We're passing human trafficking laws here in landlocked Iowa in our legislature because of what you're oh, talking yeah. and, about. And, and, and by the way, speaking of Iowa, you know the latest evil, the latest trend, when you talk about human trafficking, you think of sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. You have labor trafficking. Where now some of these, you know what I'm talking about, those ag interests. Sure. They contract with the cartels almost slave slavery. It's modern day slavery. To You have some illegals now organizing to slave trade other illegals. And, um, now, and, and now you have a scenario where in your part of the country, you have Norman Rockwell counties that once never saw these problems. You now have what a, sher a sheriff in uh, Kansas once told me this. We love these guys during the day. They're hardy and they work very hard. We have problems with them at night with the drug trafficking and the, um, the DUIs and yep. all sorts of problems. Yep. You know, this is the degree of criminality from illegal aliens. Um, I've every agent has told me, DA agent, when I say what percentage of at a primary level uh, is the drug problem a foreign national external problem? They say, Daniel, it's a hundred percent. I can't remember the last time. Two hours ago, I had this conversation with a guy from from the southeast. I can't remember the last time. We arrested any guy beyond really low level, which we don't even arrest, who wasn't a Mexican or a Colombian. Hmm. This is th this is, but but you can't have one or two people trying to reinvent the wheel. Oh, I'm gonna kick a field goal. I'm gonna score a touchdown. Trump's gonna do it all for us. It takes a village, as Hillary said. It takes a team. You need everyone. You need you need the policy. You need the comms. We don't have think tanks. We don't have a movement. We don't have donors. We don't have politicians who know jack squat. You know, they would tell me when these guys would try to brief these members of Congress, they're like, oh, really? Uh, 
And, and then they ask the dumbest questions. They don't want to hear about it. Uh, I will just tell you, everything evil, not just to Americans, but to Mexicans, to, to the migrants themselves, these cartels, they operate in 45 to 50 countries. They're, they're global organizations. They're as big as Hezbollah now. Um, it, it is if the media would actually – and there's nothing political about this, Steve. This is not guns or abortion, but this is the linchpin of so much – one other thing, Steve. You know what's funny? They call us racist in the media. You know what they're insinuating now? They're insinuating that the only national security problem is a Muslim. Because they're saying, show me the terrorists, show me them. And first of all, there's a lot of that, and we can get into that. But I'm like, wait a minute. Let's say you never had a Middle Easterner cross our border. You have no problem with the Zetas and Sinaloa and what they're doing? Like, that's totally kosher? I mean, it is the evil political agenda of identity politics is so sacred yep. that there is no cow they will not slay in pursuit of it. No. And I think that, you know, that's a big part of my upcoming book, uh, Truth Bombs. Identity politics is what tr turned the Democratic Party from a left of center party into a full-blown leftist party now. And and now, and, and it's subtly happening on, on our side as well. When the Washington Examiner is running stories like two days ago about we need more women to run for office and things of that nature. This is, again, the, the soft bigotry, as George W. Bush used to define it, the soft bigotry of low expectations. This is the, this is, we are universally accepting of these things. Uh, and we've decided that they've changed the rules of engagement now, and, and we have to honor the changes of their rules of engagement. And that's why they didn't want it. That's why they were debating whether to cover the president's speech at all last night, because because the power of the bully pulpit of the presidency trumps, no pun intended, but trumps all of their control over the narrative. And it's not that so much the control over the narrative, how everyday Americans think in places where you and I live, but the Republicans that we elect to public office to represent our interests and send them to Washington. It's to control what they think and say, Daniel. You know, Steve, I had that observation this week. I was like, okay, normally the media goes ballistic about the content of what Trump or any Republican says, but when have they ever litigated against the premise of giving a primetime address? And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. The media knows that they cannot afford to have a sustained dialogue yep. over the ills of illegal immigration. Yep. Notice what Chuck and Nancy said. They could talk about a government shutdown. They said, yeah, yeah, illegal immigration is a problem. But, 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 uh, they, and, and then they downgraded, downplayed the problem. They cannot respond to it. If we had a party and a movement that would have a sustained narrative on this issue, it would realign American politics. It really would. Nobody wants this. Nobody wants the DUIs. Nobody wants. The last election proves that what you just said is true because Donald Trump was going to flame out before we got to the summer of 2015 in Iowa until he until he discovered this issue and he went from laughed at panned novelty can novelty candidate to a force of nature and now he's the president of the United States that just confirms what you just said is true nobody wants foreigners sucking us dry nobody wants that and just from the security Criming. That's why they have they have a narrative for everything. No, no, no. There's no drugs. No, no, no. They commit less crime. No, no, no. There's no middle. I mean, they have to every last thing. And I, and I love it how people that never studied this issue in three seconds they're all experts. Um, but you know, 
I get back to what happened in the fall with Kavanaugh. What's so hurtful is when you see the one time they'll fight. You saw when you had every right of center elected and outside figure singing on the same tune, mm-hmm. swimming with the same strokes, and it worked. Yep. You, you, you could defeat the media narrative. Why don't we have that on a single other issue? Because, well, because it wasn't about Kavanaugh or it wasn't about the getting a conservative justice about Kavanaugh was one of their bushy boys uh, from Georgetown prep. That's why they, that's yep. why they ran to the line to defend a member of their tribe. That's why. Uh, and, and we're not, and, we're not and, members of their tribe. That's why they don't run to the line to defend us. I'll give you the last word. I got 30 seconds. And, and the Chevron doctrine and the Cokes. And by the way, <laughs> the answer to all this is very si- simple. You saw the articles out this week. The biggest priority of the Cokes is amnesty this year. And ha- well, and, and it's been one of their high priorities for years. They've been amnesty yeah. people for years. Yep. They donate to all our friends. Yep. So there you go. All right. Good stuff, Daniel. Painful, but good. Appreciate it, brother. Thank you. It's going to do it for hour one here on Blaze Media and TV. Uh, Daniel prompted a question that's going to come up here at the top of the next hour with today's truth bomb. We are going to descend to new depths of cynicism when we come back. Stay tuned. All right, back here with hour two of the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. We'll be playing a little buy, seller, hold coming up a little bit later on in this hour. Uh, courtesy, I'm guessing mostly anyway, of uh, propositions and statements and predictions that you have tweeted to Aaron. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Like us on Facebook. Email the program. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. We'll get to today's truth bomb in a moment as well. But the most valuable asset just about any American is ever going to have is the equity in your own home. And have you stayed at a Marriott-owned hotel recently? Chances are at least one of you watching or listening right now have because 500 million identities had their data breached courtesy of a massive data breach uh, that happened to the Marriott Corporation. That that means your name, including your middle initial, uh, you know, maybe a, a credit card or a debit card number that you use to put down to pay for and secure the room, any other personal information, date of birth, maybe last four digits of a social security number, you know, the, the kinds of things, a middle initial, last four digits of a social number, the kinds of things we use to verify our identity when we do business online or pretty much anywhere. And 500 million people had that information taken from them, courtesy of a data breach recently at Marriott. We learned this in my own home over Christmas break. Got that text from the wife, hey, did you spend money here? And I'm like, no. Come to find out, her credit card uh, had been, uh, or her debit card had been compromised. And we went back through the records and found why your card and not mine. I couldn't believe it when we found out about the only place that we knew had been announced as vulnerable was she had stayed a couple of times at a Marriott-owned hotel in the last few months. So this hits close to home for us. That's why you want to protect your home title because one of the ways they can get access to it is by claiming to be you. 
especially if they've got inf- that have that information now, courtesy of the data break-in at the Marriott uh, Corporation. So it's just pennies a day is all it costs to protect your home's equity with home title lock. And who knows, you may find... Now, your home title is already being targeted. It's already vulnerable. That's why right now, Blaze listeners and and watchers, if you're watching us today on Blaze TV, you are eligible for a free title scan and report from Home Title Lock. Just go to HomeTitleLock.com. Normally, they charge you 100 bucks for this, but they're giving it away to to our peeps today for just nothing. HomeTitleLock.com. What's the risk to make sure the most valuable asset, your home's equity, is safe when they're giving you a check-in for free. HomeTitleLock.com. All right, let's get to today's Truth Bomb, a completely contrived segment I created in order to justify ways to plug my new book, Releasing in Six Days, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise, endorsed by a couple people you might have heard of, Glenn Beck, who's on before us here on The Blaze, Ben Shapiro, who's pretty much omnipresent these days, Uh, the great one, Mark Levin, uh, Dan Bongino, whose podcast is blowing up. Uh, and one of the other endorsements for the book is an old friend to Blaze readers and viewers, Matt Walsh. And Matt Walsh tweeted out an interesting question earlier today. He's, he's like, you know, great, great speech by the president last night, but why did it take two years to make this push for the wall and for border security? Where, where has this been? And it's a really good question. And you know, there's probably an even more cynical answer than the one that I'm guessing, having having not spoken to Matt today, but guessing, don't you guys think guessing the premise, the way he presented his question, if we had Matt here, chances are, you know, he's probably begging the question that we're doing it now because it's politically expedient because the Democrats are in charge, right? Yeah, this yeah. is uh, him channeling uh, Ditch, Cocaine Mitch. Which one are we using these days? Do you have? Do you yeah, still? I'm okay with either one, You're honestly. Okay? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Cocaine but th- Ditch. This is kind of Matt, kind of being like our friend Shannon Joy. I mean, this is the sh- this is, is oh. how much of this is a show, right? You know, and so now we're gonna now we're gonna talk about border security. Now we have the Democrats to play off of, and for the last two years, when Republicans are in charge, they didn't move on this issue whatsoever. No, if Matt were here, wouldn't you? That ch- odds are that's probably. Where yeah. he's he's at least, you know, tacitly hinting at with a question like this, right? Yeah. And it's a really good question to ask, isn't it? Well, it's the and, perpetual scam against yes. the conservatives, Republicans at all. And and while it's cynical, I I wouldn't I wouldn't dare to argue against this cynicism. Except to see it and raise it. To even be more cynical. There's another possibility here as to why this is being debated now. You want a hot take? We haven't dropped a hot take yet. We're just going to do, we're about to do buy, sell, or hold on a series of hot takes right here in a few minutes. Can I, should I, I'm going to drop it while it's hot, as Snoop Dogg likes to say right now. I'm going to drop you a hot take. It's more likely we're going to secure the border with the government we have now than with the government we just had. Let me drop that one again. Yeah, I'm, in, I'm including whatever that was last night, uh, that witch's coven photo op with uh, and Pelosi, where they essentially looked like they had uh, swapped uh, eyeshadow before going on air, okay? And we're sharing, two heads sharing the same shoulder, okay? Whatever that was, I'm going to say it again. Now, now, I don't think the odds are high right now 
I'm not I'm not saying like I'm 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 going to the predicted markets and getting down that there's going to be some border security happening right now. But you're saying there's a chance. I'm saying though that whatever you think the odds are now, they are higher than they were 3 months ago or 6 months ago or a year ago or a year and a half ago. Here's why. Because for the same reasons that if Bill Clinton proposed Medicare Part D, uh, he, which at the time was the largest government program in American history until Obama took office. But when President Bush proposes Medicare Part D, this is compassionate conservatism within conservative media. And when Barack Obama and Bill Clinton do it, uh, it's, uh, you know, we're pulling out uh, the Russia, the Soviet national anthem. And for the same reason that when Bill Clinton signs the Defense of Marriage Act, um, he gets a few Democrats in Congress to vote for it. But if, if, if President George W. Bush has one put on his desk and he signs it, all the same people say he's a hater and a homophobe. For the same reasons only Nixon could go to China for the same reasons that if if George W. Bush or George H. W. Bush or Ronald Reagan sign a welfare reform bill into law that says you have two years of welfare and then if you don't have a job, we just cut you off. We stop sending checks. They are terrible human beings and haters and the Grinch that stole Christmas. But when Bill Clinton does it, it's reform and we're we're cutting waste, fraud and abuse because of the scam. Of the tribalism. There's, I don't think the odds are high now, but they're higher than they were when the Republicans had total control. Why? Because you and I and most Americans want to have a secure border. None of the people running these two political parties, right, uh, and for the last three decades do, for different reasons. I mean, the Democrats, they need a perpetual serfdom class. They need that. They need black people to believe we've never moved on from Selma, Alabama. Not like commemorating what happened there, but that we're still there. That's not when I, I don't mean like going back and marching about and honoring the sacrifice and the conviction and the courage of conviction of those that did what they did there in 1965. No, no, they need black America to believe it's still 1965. We're still in chains. Yes, yes. you have to believe. They need you to believe that. They, they, need, they, need, they need Hispanic America to believe that the only possible reason we would secure a border is that all of white America has, loses its mind if they hear somebody speaking Spanish in the produce aisle of their local grocery store. They need to believe that. They need you to believe that. Otherwise, because if, if, you, if you actually came here and took full advantage of the freedom and opportunities and became successful, you'd ask yourself questions like, uh, why the hell are, are you asking me to pay a 70% income tax rate? That's a no. That's a negatory. You're not going to do that, guys. There's a there's an old line. I'm not necessarily, you know, endorsing it, but in my old days when I used to be one of the guys, the white suburban kids that buy gangster rap albums, because that's who buys most gangster rap albums. Actually, is white kids from the suburbs trying to act like they're hard. I used to be one of those kids. I remember buying Ice Cube's first album, America's Most Wanted, is what it was called. And here's a couple lyrics from uh, from that album. I'll, I'll clean them up as best I can. Uh, Blacks are too poor to be Republican. That was one of his lines. 
Well, the implication of that line would be that if I wasn't poor anymore and I was making actual money and doing well, I, I wouldn't want the government to take it away from me, would I? So the Democrats need you to stay poor. They need you to think it's always 1965 and it can never change. One of the other lines I loved in that on that album was, and for all those blankety blanks that say they're too black, because this was in the early 90s when you know all the, where they were wearing the African chains and the Malcolm X hats. Remember those days, right? I do. One of the lines in, on, on Ice Cube's America's Most Wanted is, for all those blankety blanks that say they're too black, meaning he, uh, go ahead and send them back overseas, meaning to Africa, they'll be begging to come back. That was one of the lines. <laughs> Okay. See, Ice Cube can say that. And it's edgy. Somebody with a pasty face says that, and we're racists. Okay. This is the game. This is the game. So George W. Bush can take a massive step towards socialism, like with Medicare Part D. What you, you you don't like you don't like government education? No child left. You don't like you don't like Common Core? You know where it came from? Well, Steve, it came from Obama's race to the top. No, it didn't. Uh, it came from No Child Left Behind. And then it advanced to Obama's race to the top and then evolved into Common Core. All right, so we had No Child Left Behind, Medicare Part D. And we got, we got, we got guy, Rick Santorum was on CNN getting yelled at last night. Yeah. Basically. Getting paid to get yelled at. He voted for one of, this ma- one of these massive socialism uh, projects. Do you think you would have voted for it if the Democrats were in power? Would he have voted for it, do you think, Todd? No. Never in a million years. Now, why did he vote for it? It wasn't like he changed his principles, but they offered him something. See, the Democrats were never going to offer Rick Santorum what he would want to get him to vote for that. But George W. Bush did. He offered him uh, health savings accounts. And then he got him to he got him to support uh, Arlen Specter in the contentious Pennsylvania Senate primary by agreeing uh, uh, to certain judicial nominees, namely John Roberts. So that worked out really well then. Well, yes, <laughs> but the point is, they were able to offer him to get something something he wanted to get him to vote for something he and as a standalone entity would not. And that brings us to the truth bomb today to the to the the bottom line. See, because Trump is not a conservative or even a conventional Republican, he has a chance to make a deal with Democrats that probably no other conservative would even attempt or try. Soon, we're going to have our annual infrastructure week of the Trump presidency, which is essentially Trump going back to the New Deal Democrat that he's pretty much been his entire life. Donald Trump is what the Democratic Party was in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. He's what it used to be. It used to be a pro-America, populist political party, left of center. The problem is, since the 60s, the center has moved dramatically to the left. <laughs> okay? That's, that's what he, he, but in many respects, Donald Trump is what the Democrats were when Eisenhower was a president. It's what he is now. So he has no problem. By the way, who built a lot of the freeways we ride on now? Whose infrastructure project was that? Do you remember? I like Ike. Yeah. The Republican Eisenhower. Who was the first identifiable as a progressive president? Do you remember? The first. The one who said, I am a progressive. That would be Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt. What party do you belong to? Republicans. A Republican Party. In other words, see, Trump, Trump is willing, if if he wants to truly get a deal done, he could offer avarice from the government printing press. 
we will, I'll give you project labor agreements with my infrastructure. Meaning what's a, what's project labor agreement. It's one of the, it's one of the policy uh, priorities of the labor movement. It essentially says it's a way to get around uh, right to work states by essentially saying, even if you are in a right to work state, government governments cannot put out contractor jobs or take bids that pay less for workers than what the union bid and salary average union salary is. So it's a workaround right to work laws. If we can't get you to join the union, then we're going to make sure that, that you can't have non-union contractors underbidding union shops. He could offer all kinds of those concessions. Now, now the same, if, if George W. Bush were president right now, And he offered Democrats, in exchange for border security, a federal PLA system for all of these infrastructure projects, including the border wall that he wants to launch. All the same people that love Neil Gorsuch because of the Chevron doctrine, and you and I are like, what the hell? I thought Chevron wasn't was out of business. Who gets gas? That's, but all the same people who the needle nose conservative types who uh, are fine if we just keep killing, if, kill seven, eight, nine, ten thousand babies a day, as long as I get rid of this one OSHA standard. Those kinds, you know what I'm talking about? That have their white papers and think tanks all over Washington would lose their freaking minds if George W. Bush cut that deal, which is why he can't do it. He could never do it. Trump can, though, because he's really not tethered to any of these groups, any of these groups. He could call them in and say, what do you want? And and not like in a way like a Republican or a, a, a typical Republican would, but literally tell me what you want and give it to him within some limits. But he could offer them tangible things, not that Democrats are willing to accept, but that they're actually for. See, they offered Rick Santorum not things he can accept, things he's for. And that's why they got his vote, for things he's against. Just made it part of one. In in exchange for your vote against, uh, for something you're against, we will give you something you're for. Trump could offer that. He could transcend the partisan political divide. Which is why Bill Clinton gets to get away with welfare reform and defensive marriage acts. And he's not a bigot, a hater, nor does he hate poor people. But if a Republican does it, they are all those things. And that's why George W. Bush can massively grow government through Medicare Part D uh, and No Child Left Behind can essentially be the federal takeover of the education system. And we're like, wow, this is really cool. But if the Democrat does it, then clearly this is another another step towards the looming statist oppressor. Tell me I'm wrong. No. I mean, what you are describing, and we haven't talked about this in a long time, and probably because we really haven't seen it. Like you said yesterday, I'm waiting for uh, this, uh, this, this what not tyrant Donald Trump, but the uh, uh, the great dictator Donald Trump that everybody was worried about. I'd like to see a little bit of that. We we really haven't seen the art of the deal yet either, and that is what you are talking about. Yes, yeah, he could go full art of the deal here. He's not tethered or tied to any of the ideological barriers. That would would stop a conventional Republican from doing this. Not to mention the Republican donor class wouldn't want this because who are the companies that would have to pay most of those higher union wages? The Republican donor class. He doesn't need any of their money. He doesn't need their money to get elected to run for president. He can just 
cut himself his own check. Okay, so he has the ability to be the Nixon who goes to China here. And so to the extent that everybody is aware of this, A, and B, uh, scared of it, uh, you know, I'm I'm sitting here just while I understand the criticism of Matt Walsh. Basically, I just like anything that shakes up the deck at this uh, a point would be at the very least interested to see because this game sucks. So, so to the extent that all the parties you're talking about are aware of this and concerned about it, boy, they must be sitting there. They they should be sitting there worried that Mueller's got something. Trump, they, Trump didn't make any of his money really involved in any pursuit that deals with environmental regulations. Okay. Now he does need, so suppose he said to the, let me give you, if you don't like PLAs, I'll give you, I'll give you an even bigger giveaway. Suppose he said to the Democrats, hey, but we're, we're going to do Ocasio-Cortez as Green New Deal. We're going to do that. One stipulation, you got to leave the coal miners in Pennsylvania and West Virginia alone. Leave the coal miners in Pennsylvania and West Virginia alone. We'll cut you any check out of the federal treasury you want. Be a huge, massive jobs boost. We'll give you your Green New Deal. I'll go down as the environmental president. This will leave my legacy, but we got to secure the border. See what I'm saying? He, because he's not tethered or tied to the conservative movement in any way or the Republican donor class in any way, there is a, and, and because this is really where many of his leanings are anyway. He's really where the Democratic Party was in the 40s and 50s, is really who he is politically. Because of that, um, he ca- th- that's why I believe there's a better chance this gets done now. And yeah. I don't believe the chances are high, but they're better than what it was before. I, remember, I predicted three, I, my first, one of my predictions when he got into office, do you remember? One of my predictions for 2017, his first year in office was, was what? There would be no tangible effort made towards the construction of a war, wall on our southern border, as Trump promised. Remember? It's right there at conservativereview.com. Go look it up. Go look up my crystal ball 2017, and you'll see that was one of my predictions. At a point, my, an uh-oh came into my head. because What Steve's pointing out here, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, uh, th- that the, 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 the suggestion uh, that you bring up of of the scenario with the the green deal the trade there steve's not suggesting that that's a good deal but he is no. suggesting that it would blow the minds of yes. all of the right people i mean they, they i'm, su- I'm not suggesting side. it's a good deal for the for for conservatives Correct. or for the american people i am suggesting that deal is far more possible to happen than you were ever going to get mitch mcconnell to go against the Koch brothers and his republican donor class who want the cheap slave labor for their corporate interests so if you think the odds of this happening with schumer and nancy are five percent they are five per that's five percent more because you were at zero, zero before. Because as much as those guys hate to offend Trump and get criticized in his Twitter account, Trump one day will be gone. All that Coke money and all that donor class money that wants the, that wanted the cheap labor before Trump came into office and will want it after he's gone, they're all still going to be there. They're never going to be. That's, see, that's why nothing got done the last two years. Why nothing got done the last two years is because the donor base of the Democratic Party is to the left of the average Democrat in in, in public office. And the donor base of the Republican Party is to the left of the average Republican voter. And so the reason nothing got done the last two years is because the stuff you and I wanted them to do, most of the Republicans you've elected are more Bill Kristol than you. 
the, the stuff you wanted the Republicans to do the last two years, they're never going to do. Why? Because their donors don't want it. Their donors don't want Planned Parenthood defunded. They don't want the border secured. They don't want they they and their donors are business interests that don't want to be sued over religious conscience and stuff. They want all this stuff to go away. They don't care. They used to tolerate what we think. Now they're opposed to it. And 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 see, Mitch McConnell and those guys don't get richer in public office by defying while they're in office. McConnell's fortune has tripled since he's been in office. He's not getting richer by defying these interests. He's getting richer by shilling for them. And Trump will be gone one day. Hell, I think it's 50-50 he survives the year as president. I've already said that. But even if I'm wrong, you know, for a while it looked like, it looked like Barack Obama dominated every room he was in the country. When was the last time you thought about what Barack Obama's up to? Did you think about it over Christmas at all? Never. Never. Because... They come and they go, Hobbs. They come and they go. And Trump will come and go one day, too. And one day we'll come in here or somewhere else and say, man, remember when Trump was around? Doesn't it seem like it was so long ago? And it'll be like three months ago. It'll seem like an eternity. That's how it moves. But you know who remains? Kanye West. Yeah. (laughs) Well played. What remains? Our friend, the one constant through all the years, Ray, has been the donor class money will stay it will stay and they were never going to do the stuff you elected them to do because their donors don't want it that's why it didn't get done and that's why there's a better chance whatever you think the odds are that trump could craft the deal that chuck and, and nancy could go for it's much higher than it was before because he can offer them things that they're actually for that he's for too because when you take out all the pro-America issues that the Democratic Party was for, the De- listen, say what you want about FDR, Truman, they helped save Western civilization. They're more liberal than us. I think we would all agree on that. They also are, you know, two primary reasons you didn't have to learn how to speak Japanese or Sieg Heil. You know what I'm saying? Nowadays, the Democratic Party would be like, I don't know, Japanese ain't so bad. And Tojo's got a really cool healthcare plan. Different Democratic Party now. So Trump has a lot in common with them when you get past the pro-America issues. He can offer them all kinds of things on the table that they care about that he's actually for too. That was never going to happen when you're negotiating against the Republican donor class. Never. So again, did we descend? Am I wrong? Did we descend? Did I keep my promise? Did we descend no. to a new level of cynicism? You're not wrong. Well, and you did so to the point that I'm sitting here actually bargaining in my own mind. I might actually take that green uh, revolution just to see some people in that Republican donor class just squirm a little bit. Like I said, the game sucks and shaking it somehow is going to involve a level of soul-searching that all of us I don't quite think are prepared for. It's it it's going to be, a, as, as Steve says in his worst British accent, it's going to be a mind scrambler. Yeah, we are making the Republican donor class great again by eliminating the Republican uh, Party donor, donor class if, this something, if something like this happened. Here's the really weird paradox about everything that you just laid out, Steve. If the chances were zero uh three months ago that something that the wall would be built because of who was in power and then you take that times two times zero 
what is the what is the result? It's still zero, and I think that's still true, even though there is a greater chance now that this could actually happen because of the tribal all of the tribalism that you just mentioned. If they cut any deal, if they would cut any deal, as low chance as there might be, if they would cut any deal, the Democrats cut any deal with Donald Trump, their base is going to say, you suck for cutting a deal with Donald Trump because of that tribalism. The same tribalism that could actually make a deal possible is the same tribalism that would uh, cause Democrats, uh, enough Democrats to pull out of the deal because of that tribalism and being seen negotiating with uh, literally Hitler. It's the weirdest thing ever. Does that make sense? The paradox about all of this that, yes, there was no chance before and there's still no chance because of the tribalism but because of the tribalism, there's actually a chance. I don't know. Maybe I'm doing mind scramblers in my own head now. No, I mean, you just you just articulated the conflict between vested interest and self-interest political interests. And when they don't align, when they don't align, you have this sort of double-mindedness. But, you know, right now they actually don't align. And that's why there's a better chance. They See, they perfectly aligned before. What do you mean, Steve? Because the Republicans know they can screw you and betray you and you're going to vote for them no matter what because the Democrats, because we can't let the country win. We can't lose the country to the Democratic Party. You have no leverage with the Republican Party. None, zilch, nada. You're a booty call to them. Maybe less. Like they're kind of tired of calling you at 3 a.m. now. They're like, been there, done that, man. You're not even a challenge. I guess, you know, I I suppose if you're the last woman on earth, maybe I'll call you. That's kind of where you're at right now. So all of those things were aligned before and why you didn't get any of this. It's just you think that their vested interest is in serving you, and it's not. Their vested interest is in serving their donor class because they know they got you no matter what, man. No matter what, you're going to vote for them, no matter what. That's why what you just articulated, Aaron, is actually more at play right now. Because Trump is not tethered or tied to any of the vested interests that the typical Republican is. He doesn't need any of this. And he could frankly just quit the presidency tomorrow, go back to Trump Tower, and still have all the, the, the adoring throngs that he has right now while he's in the White House. So he has a latitude to craft a deal to get what he wants and, and to greatly stretch the boundaries of what's typically acceptable to give the Democrats what they want. In fact, if I were advising, if I were the political director in the White House right now, I would tell Trump, offer these deals. There's no lose scenario. You are you win either way. You either get them to the you either get them to agree to secure the border, which is your number one issue, or you prove that even when you offer them pretty much everything they want, they choose not being a sovereign nation. Instead, you cannot lose if you're Trump. And to the extent that this is a game, you're winning. There. Yes. Now, now, now we're playing art of the deal, baby. More in a moment. All right, welcome back here. We are live and on demand on The Blaze. I'm Steve Dace. Buy, seller, hold coming up in a moment. Today's buy, seller, hold brought to you by Wax RX. Now, when was the last time you had your ears professionally cleaned? Have you ever? This is a product, by the way, we need in this, in this studio bad. I think now yep. 
this has happened with Todd. It's happened with me. You know it what? happened last week on our We Talk Sports show with Kurt Schilling, where we get into a panic right before we get on the air. Aaron, we can't hear anything. Aaron, we can't hear anything. And then what it, what happens? Aaron's like, let me see your earpiece. You and know what this is? That's a I've favorite done part this, of his job. I've, I've done this. I earn my money, by the way, when I do this. I like actually. Nobody knows like the I, trouble Aaron's seen. Like I actually. Nobody knows his sorrows. I actually earn my paycheck, as opposed to like when I do buy, sell, or hold. When I just, you know, uh, kind of gum. This is called um, an IFB cl- cleaner. Some people call it a, you know, a pin. Uh, this is called an IFB cleaner, and I get to t- touch those guys' earwax and and clean it out. But that's what this is. What, Aaron? I can't hear you. Come clean I mean, it look, out. There has literally been mass panic in this in this studio. Shilling, when we got back last week and he couldn't hear us, we came back from... Dude, this was... This guy, bottom of the ninth, two outs. Game seven of the World Series. Bases loaded. Kurt Schilling on the mound. No problem. I got this. When, we, when he couldn't hear our Skype connection, I thought, I thought, I thought he, he was in the fetal. And then Aaron's like, did you clean the wax out of your piece? And Schilling was like, oh, cleaned out the wax. And what happened? Eureka. Suddenly he's a Hall of Famer again. So when they, when they came to me a couple weeks ago, like, hey, we're going to bring this uh, client on. What do you think? I'm like, I'm so in on this right now. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know how much conflict this has caused uh, here uh, for us at The Blaze. So if any of these problems sound familiar, or maybe you're in that parenting no man's land, where your kids have all kinds of wax in their ears, but you'll feel like a bad parent if you do what your mom and dad, our mom and dad did us, which is grab the Q-tip because now they freak out. That can damage their eardrums, oh, come right? On. Okay, so you kind of feel like, all right, well, I'm a terrible parent if I clean the wax out of their ear. I'm a terrible parent if I don't. It's kind of like being a racist these days. Yeah. Am I a racist? Yes. I'm a racist if I am and if I do, and I'm a racist if I do and I don't, right? Here's the solution. If any of these problems sound familiar to you, this might be the most passionate we've been this entire episode. (laughs) Uh, You could be among the millions of Americans forced to visit the doctor for a professional ear cleaning, but now you get the same results in the comfort and convenience of your own home. WaxRx uses physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes ear wax buildup, soothes the ear in the process. You can try the WaxRx system Risk-free, risk-free today. Just go to the, go use waxrx.com. That's the website. Use waxrx.com. Yes, the word use is part of the website. Use waxrx.com and use the offer code radio at checkout. Use waxrx.com, offer code radio for free shipping. Finally, a real solution for stubborn earwax buildup. Use WaxRx.com. Use WaxRx.com. Offer code radio. And now, this week's buy, sell, or hold. Aaron throws out a series of statements, propositions, predictions at all. Todd and I will then decide, are we buying that? Are we selling that? Maybe, hopefully, with at least one good reason why. Once per show, we are permitted to say hold. And if it's for any other reason other than the complete and total lameness of said statement, then the dude code calls for you to be mercilessly mocked for refusing to take a stand and punking out. Aaron. 
All right, we're going to start with Constantinos Rhoditis, who sponsors but does not fund, buy, sell, or hold, with another depth of cynicism. Trump gets about $2.1 billion for the also-known-as wall, but money can only be used to replace existing border fencing. Also, environmental regulations will not be waived and therefore will basically halt the project, and consultants will pocket most of the money. Both sides will claim victory. Um, I'm going to buy, because I think, what he outlined is the most likely end to this. And that will be a loss, a political loss for Trump. As I, I, I really believe, as I said yesterday, this is a pass fail exercise. Um, and I think anything short of after the deal is consummated, there is, we, we are watching physical shovels hit dirt on the Rio Grande in, in a short time. Hence after uh, will be seen as his version of read my lips. So I think that outcome, even if his numbers are, you know, low or high or what have you, but the outcome that that lays out is the most likely conclusion to this. That's uh an answer Shannon Joy would be very proud of. Um it's likely. Please I'm, sell and have a good reason why. So we have we, we well, have some optimism. That's what I'm going. I got the sell trying. part down. I don't have the good reason why. Uh, I'm struggling. <laughs> Str- but, well, there's what. Listen, if you're going to again, Scott Glenn uh, in um, Hunt for Red October. The hard part about playing chicken is knowing when to flinch. Since this is attached to this game of chicken, and if it is a real game of chicken on any level, you you. you and that's what you come up with. And you win that game of chicken, you, you've got some hand to play. And it better be better than that. It's, it's got to be better than that. It is winning the, the game of chicken to play all games of chicken and, and then to not only not ask anything for it, to be, give all the spoils to the other side. So I'll sell just because it, that would be such a level of dumbassery that I can't and I won't and I can't even. Thank is you. Is there a close? Is there... The, 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 you know what? That's the, that's really not any good reasoning at all, but it, I, I appreciate you throwing it out there nonetheless because I want you to be right. Um, by Monday, top story won't be Trump's presidential border security speech. It'll be latest sexual harassment victim accuses Trump as leftists create 2019's first abuse accusation. So to change topic, that's from Dan. Uh, Boy, the cynicism is strong. The the force is strong with you, Padawans. Why Monday, though? I'll buy it. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing I was saying before about if there's a level of awareness that a real game is being played here and it really does shake up the deck. Before I said they better hope Mueller comes up with something. They they will need something to blow this up. If, If there is a reality to this that almost nobody as you just testified to believes there is but if there is they're going to need something and they're going to find it i'm going to sell uh and and the reason i'm going to sell is at this point i think trump is sexually sexual sin inoculated i I think you got to have like a rape video sad to say i think anything short of that doesn't move any needle change any topic any subject at all it 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 might such a such a allegation would change what they're talking about on msnbc right now but it won't change the national narrative at all however if you had sent me the propos or sent us the proposition that by monday this uh, this speech and the way it moved the needle on this issue will be gone because trump is on to something else and has totally lost focus and attention oh i'd absolutely buy that 
I absolutely buy that. But but I, I think you know I, I think anything short of the, a video of an assault, I think Trump's pretty much inoculated on the sexual sin part. That that it, everybody kind of knows going in, the guy's a, a creep, perv, and I mean the guy put in writing his affinity for betting married women, guys. Okay, I mean he wrote that in a book. You know, so I, I don't know what Me Too thing short of, you know, video of an, a Ray Rice type of video. I, I, anything short of that, I think he's kind of inoculated from that. All right. Jacob Hippard says the playoff expands the next five years to an eight team playoff. Conference champions get automatic bids and three at large bids. Uh, bye. I don't know that that will be the exact format, but that, in general, similar to what I thought of Constantinus Roditis's you're at least close enough hovering or close, close enough around the target that I will buy that. Yes. I will also buy that. I don't have uh, – it's interesting listening to Steve talk about this on uh, his sports show. That I don't have the complaints about this uh, uh, that Steve has, although I understand him. I, I think that overall, to me, this is an undeniable improvement in – what has it been, five years, Steve? Six? Uh, this was the uh, fifth year of the playoff. But – um, the reason that this is most likely is because of the Clemson Alabama thing. If this had been more of a scatter shot, different four teams every year, I think it would have been uh, less likely. But I think the fact that we've got great—I mean, these are great football teams—and viewership is going down. It's because they're just used to it. Part the, of it is. The, I agree that, that this, si- there. this system is is. It, I won't even argue whether it's better than the BCS or not. I definitely think it's worse than what we had pre-BCS. Because what you did is you're not really settling it on the field. All right? What you really did, you didn't create a playoff. You created an invitational. Yeah, I understand. And it's not even a tournament like the basketball tournament is. In the basketball tournament, you can still earn your way in. Where you, they have Half the bids are automatic bids. There is no way to earn your way in. There, there's no way to know, did I do enough? Like, what if Clemson had lost the ACC championship game? Or what if, you know, when, when Trevor Lawrence got hurt in his first start against Syracuse, and they had to go to their third-string quarterback, because that was right after Kelly Bryant transferred, and they almost lost that game to Syracuse. They won it at the very end and trailed it the whole way. What if they had lost that game to Syracuse, and they had one loss? But it, hasn't that always been there? That's my point. Which you did, but under the previous system, there was a chance, like there was a chance if a Notre Dame went undefeated and didn't play these teams, it could win or split a national championship. What we have now is we have all the same subjectivism, but it's actually narrowed down to now only, only a few teams have a chance to get in at the brass ring. There's no, like we don't even have an objective criteria. We don't even know what the committee judges. They won't tell us. Like the college basketball committee, you've heard of the RPI, and now they have these new net rankings, and they're publishing them every two days. You know what the NCAA tournament selection committee rankings are, 1 to 330. That's how many teams are in college basketball. You know it every 48 hours, and they update them, and they put the formula and everything up there. You go right NCAA.net, and they put them right there. We don't know. We have no idea. And I don't, well, we get a playoff ranking. What I mean is they're showing us their work. We're seeing the formula they're using to come up with this. We have no idea. And when they and when they bring their spokespeople out on ESPN afterwards, they'll say, well, LSU is ranked here because of their resume. And then, then they'll say, well, why is Clemson so high when they haven't played anybody? Well, you know, it's the eye test. It's a moving target. I agree. But I also, when no one, I don't think anybody is really talking about any of these years. Boy, that team really got jobbed. And they do talk about that, which is the reason the change was made about all of the years before, which none of which dismantled. I mean, fundamentally, your argument 
is right though at the, in terms of its premise. I just don't think as a consequence though, I, no one's no one's saying, man, that team that got left out. Do you think do you do you know if Notre Dame would have played better against Clemson than Ohio State did? Would have? No, you don't know. That's my point. See, we don't have a playoff. What you have in the pro sports that have a playoff is you play your way in. And everybody knows at the start of the year, if you do these things, you get in. And if you don't, you don't. We don't have that. We even have that in college basketball. We even have it at the lower levels of football where they have a playoff. You know, we're the one place in all of American team sport where we have a postseason playoff, but there's no way to play your way in. Do you know the only place that that exists is in college football. So you took everything that was frustrating about the old system where it was totally subjective and polls and we didn't, and all you did is just made it even more so. That's all you did. That's why that's and now you, and then you watered down your postseason. Well, this bowl game doesn't matter anymore. That this bowl game doesn't matter. But that's we, a bigger issue. Yeah, to we've me. got guys now. You got guys sitting out the big cash oh, yeah. money bowl games. That's, like that's, we had guys sitting out the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. Guys sitting out the Peach Bowl. These are the New Year's Six major bowl games. I promise you that if Urban Meyer weren't retiring, no way Dwayne Haskins and all those Ohio State guys they're going pro. No way they go play three loss Washington and, and risk injury. No you, way they do it. You actually made the argument that if you don't want these guys sitting out, it would be a much better move to go to eight teams. Yeah, you, and the, you're right. You're the, dead I, eye. And I hate, I, I, yes, it will water down the regular season to some extent, but not in the way people think because you'll have more meaningful games. Meaning like the Tennessee Titans and Indianapolis Colts last week of the NFL season was a very meaningful game. They, they played each other for a spot to get into the playoff and the loser went home and the winner went on. I don't, don't we don't have enough meaningful games right now. I don't think, yeah, which is, I don't think it's going to water it because down if, at Because all. in my other scenario, if Syracuse beats Clemson and Clemson still gets in the playoff, then you just told me the Syracuse-Clemson game didn't matter. So then why the hell did we play it then if it didn't matter? Then you're telling me Ohio State doesn't get in two years in a row because of who they lost to. Two years ago, they had much better, they had better wins than Alabama did across the board. They just had a terrible loss to Iowa. This year, they had the most impressive win of, 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 that, of any of the playoff teams, in my view, is, is the way they destroyed at the time number four Michigan. Uh, that, that was the most impressive win any team in the country probably had. But again, they don't get in because of how bad they lost to Purdue. So now we're going to judge teams not by how good they've shown they are, but how on one isolated event in an entire season, how how much of a letdown they can have? What the hell? What kind of meritocracy judges people by how bad they are on one night as opposed to how good they were for a whole season? What kind of system is that? And isn't there a way, I think there's a way to both add teams and up the ante of consequence. You add two instead of four, and then you have the top two playing for buys. I could be fine with that. And th- the argument here is, well, we don't want a team with like three losses to get in and then win the whole thing. So it would be bad if a team got in and proved that they were better than their record by beating all these other really good teams. Don't we talk about Cinderella's like every year? Yes. I don't understand that argument. So like a few years ago when USC went one and three, started one and three, and then they switched quarterbacks and put Sam Darnold in and didn't lose a game the rest of the year and won the Rose Bowl. If they had gotten in... Uh, as the Rose Bowl champ, as the Pac-12 champion, if they have if they have gotten in and then went on and won the playoff, we would feel like you know they really don't deserve it after beating Alabama and Clemson. USC just doesn't deserve the championship. That is the dumbest ass argument I've ever heard in sports. Is that one? I, I don't understand it at all. Wow, that's a pretty high bar. Um, <laughs> another Let's thing I think we need to do, and you suggested this, we in order to, we need to get rid of. Um, conference um having them you know west east whatever we call the them the divisional play yeah. because they're not ultimately 
helping the cream rise to the top either. You realize that's not going to benefit Wisconsin every year well, or as much see, as they have now. Because I'm intellectually honest. He just but, cares about the sport, not just his own team. I, no, I just I'm no, I'm just making He's sure. He's a man of altruism. I know, I'm I'm making sure you're yeah. I'm making sure you're being intellectually honest. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that conscience check, Aaron. Yeah, it's very sincere. Because yeah, that wasn't insufferable at all. Yo, oh yeah. Oh, did I was I the one that brought up the polls yesterday and how Iowa got left out of the coaches? Oh no, that was Utah. <laughs> No, that thanks. was Iowa yeah, fans thanks. on Twitter that always. And then you brought that up, and I hadn't heard anything about it. But yeah, thank you for that. Uh, Zach B says the optics of Chuck and Nancy last night were so bad that you're guaranteed to have someone under forty deliver the post State of the Union address. Taking it even further, they will be female, a minority, and from the LGBTQISTUV. See, this is this is where we all need an editor, okay? Because most of your of, of of what you put there, Zach B, is right. The beginning is right and the end is right. The middle is not. All right. So um, I do think it's very likely you'll see an intersectionality champion put up there. Uh, it, but the, the the old guard of the Democratic Party, this goes to what I said yesterday about Whoopi Goldberg and Ocasio-Cortez. They are very concerned about handing this off to the next generation because they understand that the country's not ready to buy the jalopy yet. It will still buy the undercoating of, I don't want to be racist uh, and I don't want to be a homophobe, so I vote Democrat. They, they, they will buy the undercoating. They will not buy the whole jalopy. And that generation wants to sell the jalopy as a, as a great deal and that, up front. Hey, this jalopy, you've never seen a jalopy like this before, I promise you. So I, I think they'll be very hesitant to hand that off to the next generation. So I will sell. I will buy and I nominate the GameStop tranny to do the speech. That yes. would be outstanding. Yes. Uh, David Evans Martinez says, buy, sell, or hold. More than 15 Democrats will survive the Iowa Democratic primary or caucus. I'm going to have to hold on that. And... I, I don't know that we will have if there's going to be 15 Democratic candidates. I don't know. I also think several may end up bypassing Iowa, like we saw some Republicans do. I could see a Cory Booker decide, yeah, maybe instead of splitting the vote in Iowa, I go to a neighboring state like New Hampshire and kind of try to stake my claim there. So, I, um, I, I, it, it, your proposition isn't lame, so I'm willing to take the heat for it. But I think we don't know. I don't know enough yet to answer your question. I'll sell. Fifteen's too. If you, I would maybe ponder it if you had said ten. I mean, there's just gonna. If there's fifteen, there's gonna be people who are so preposterously embarrassed that they just cannot go on. That's it. That'll do it. All right, we're out of here again. We fooled you again into believing we know what we're doing. Actually, you know that you know we don't know. You're just watching anyway to rubberneck. Let's just be honest about that. It's the year of no BS. See you tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.